Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Good morning. Welcome back to Summer Stories. I love summer. I love stories. I love you. It's going to be a good morning here. Also, love you guys online watching on vacation as you go. Thank you for tuning in as well. Well, Pastor Tyron kicked us off last week in this brand new series called Summer Stories, and he told us about uh, the life of King David and what a fully surrendered life looks like. And he also told us a little bit of picture into his life and his story, and it was just phenomenal to hear him share. I've heard him probably a hundred times share, but every time it's like, man, it's so awesome what God has done through his life and not just through his life because he said yes to Jesus. Now the hundreds of students and now young adults and adults that have been impacted by Jesus through his testimony and his life. So if you've got a student and they're not in Elevate on Wednesdays or in Lift on the weekends, you're crazy. All right, you got them, get them here. Push, pull, drag, pay, right? If you're going to pay them to go to the yard, I'll pay them to go to church, right? That's, that's going to pay off better in a few years. So get them here for that. All right, in a moment here, we're going to look at the story of Moses, but I got one more greeting here, and that's to those of you who are new to Milestone. Like you just, you've moved to this area over the summer. Uh, my wife and I, we moved here some years back, you know, in the summer. We came to Milestone. We were actually the very first guest at Milestone Church several years ago. And so for those of you here, man, welcome. My wife and I, we've become Texans now. We're getting it. We got thrown off our game recently, though. Uh, we had some guy coming to the house to do some service, and we're trying to plan a lunch date. And so we're trying to figure out when's he coming. And so we call him up. Hey, uh, yeah, w- when are you coming by? Well, around about a while. Okay, I'll see you then. You know, hang it up. And my wife said, what'd he say? He said, uh, around about a while. She said, what's that mean? I don't know. <laughs> you know, but Matthew McConaughey's coming to fix the fridge, you know, in a little bit. You know, he, he's going to be here. But we got something, if you're new, coming up around about a while here in August called Discovery 101. This is your first step. If you're new here and you're like, I'm, how do we make friends? How do we learn? How do we get plugged in? Discovery 101, the dates are August the 6th and 20th. We always do it the first weekend of the month, but we're actually doing it two weeks in August because there's so many of you. So if you're new, please take this step. We can't wait to meet you, uh, hear your story, learn more about how we can serve you and take care of you. All right, so we're going to look at Moses today. And my big thesis statement is this, is that God's purpose is greater than our plans and his grace is greater than our weaknesses. So to start us off, point one is this, God's purpose is greater than than our plans. His purpose is greater than our plans. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be reading in Exodus uh, chapter 3, looking at Moses, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, the reluctant leader, uh, Moses. Um, I'm going to fill you in here in chapter 3, but to give you some backstory, Moses was born in Egypt, and uh, the Hebrew population was growing rapidly in Egypt, and it got Pharaoh concerned. He was the king of Egypt. He got concerned, and so he made a rule that they're going to now kill all of the male Hebrews. Take the male Hebrews when they're born. He told the midwife, take them and throw them in the Nile River. And so Moses is born, and his mom, but she's pretty heads up, though. She's like, you know what I'll do? I'll, throw, I'll put them in, but I'm going to get a basket. I'm going to put them in the basket, and when I go put them in, I'm going to put them on the banks of the Nile River, right where there's a lot of foot traffic coming in. And so she did. She put him there. And then that same day, Pharaoh's daughter came by to the river. And she hears something. She goes over and she draws Moses up out of the water. That's where the name Moses comes from. Pharaoh's daughter named him because she drew him up out of the water. So she names him. And then she takes him and she raises him as her own. 
So Pharaoh's daughter, the king of all of Egypt's daughter, is now raising up Moses. If you think about this, this is like being adopted into the White House. If you apply it now into our day, right, think about that. All of a sudden, he's growing up now in the palace. The best of the best, the most opportunity, all the privilege that comes with it is now right there. And not only that, is that they go and find his actual birth mom to nurse him. And so there's a relationship with there as well. It's really the best of the best situation. Moses has it good. And one day Moses is out being Moses, doing important Moses things, and he happens to see that some of his Hebrew brothers are being mistreated by an Egyptian. And so he takes matters into his own hand. He goes over there and knocks him over the head or something, ends up killing the guy. Well, this word spreads to Pharaoh that Moses has just killed this Egyptian. And so Pharaoh's like, man, no choice. Man, we got to kill Moses. Moses, what do you do when you kill somebody? He heads to the country, right? He just, he takes off. He flees to a land called Midian. And out there in Midian, he meets a, a wife and he gets into the family business there. And that's where we catch up here in Exodus 3, starting in verse 1. It says this, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So Moses has become a shepherd now. So he's got these sheep, and it sounds like Moses just needed to get away, right? He's like, I'm going to take them on the far side. I'll be back sometime. So he's taking all the sheep, and he's out there. I don't know what shepherds do with hundreds of sheep out in the fields, but I'm just saying he's throwing rocks, right, kicking stuff, you know, just kind of having a little self-talk happening, thinking back. I don't know if you ever get away and have that reflection time, you kind of those pity parties. He's probably thinking back, man, I used to have it so good. Like I had it all. I was, I was in this perfect spot to be God's man. Here I was, a Hebrew, but living in the palace, Pharaoh's like stepdad, perfect spot to be a mediator between the Hebrews and Pharaoh. And then I went off and clunked that guy. Now here I am. Why did I do that? so stupid. Why not? Man, I had goals. I wanted to be here when I was 20 and here when I was 25, 30. And man, I'm out here with all these sheep now on the far side of the wilderness. You have those moments where you kind of look back and you're like, why did I make that decision? What, what am I doing here? This is not at all what I pictured it should look like or how I saw it playing out. That's where Moses is. Let's keep reading here verse 2. So there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. I like that there, the angel of the Lord, there is where God shows up and speaks to Moses through the burning bush. There is a long, long, long way from the palace. A long way from the way he thought things were supposed to go. A long way from what he thought maybe his purpose was. But there... Is where God shows up and meets him. The cool thing about God is that no matter how far you may feel from your plans, you may be just that much closest to his purpose for your life. Moses was so far away, but actually he was getting closer and closer to his purpose than he had ever been. For you today here, maybe you're feeling the same way. Maybe you feel like, man, my, my life's off track. But could it be that maybe God's just getting you on the right track? Maybe you feel like, man, it's not... My life's not horrible. I mean, it's good, but there's some transition. There's some things changing. Well, maybe there's some good things that God's putting aside because he has some great things he wants to bring into your life. You know, for me personally, I've had one of those seasons where things were just really good and then they were really not. It was in high school. 
All right, that was the good old days, right? Me and Uncle Rico. But it was, <laughs> that was funny. That just popped in my head. Probably should have kept it there. But <laughs> in high school, I don't know if you all have seen Saved by the Bell, but I mean, for two years, my life was like Zach Morris. I mean, it was just going good. I mean, I had the cell phone. I mean, the other years, it was more like Screech. But those two years, I mean, it was so good. And it all started one day when a country concert came to town. I'm living in Greenville, South Carolina, and we have the Young Guns Tour coming to town. Black Hawk, Little Texas, and Tim McGraw. You may not know Black Hawk, but Little Texas, this is Texas, right? I've been sent to spread the message. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, you feel dirty saying it in church, right? But yeah, yeah, that's it, right? Yeah. God bless that. And then Tim McGraw, right? That half Cherokee and Choctaw, his baby, she's a what? She's a chickawall, that's right, yeah, she's one of a kind. So don't take the girl, right, we'll stay here. All right, so we'll stop, stop, stop. It got better from there, right? He married Faith, things got straightened out. But so the concert's coming to town, and I heard on the radio on 92.5 WESC that they have some restricted viewing seats available. And so I head down to the Bylow Center, downtown Greenville. I get in line there, and sure enough, at the box office, they have seats. And so I'm like, okay, how many do you have? Okay, you got enough? Okay, I got to call my friends. And so I go to the payphone. That's like a, like a Coke machine, but you can actually talk through it. You, we don't have them anymore, but <laughs> I go to put my quarter in. It doesn't go. It's broken. And so I see this radio station van. I thought, you know, they got all those towers and things. I bet they can get a hold of my friends. So I go over there. It just happens to be Joanne Johnson, the prettiest DJ in South Carolina. She's sitting in the van. I'm like, you know, Joanne, can I use a phone and I'll pay you for it? Can I? And she's like, yeah, sure, here you go. She hands me the bag, right? I'm like, perfect, you know? And so I dial it up and I call my friends and they're coming down. And so I hang it up and Joanne says, how, how many do you need? I'm like, six. She's like, well, here you go. One, two. Are you serious? And so I grab a stack of bumper stickers, right? I'm like, okay, thank you. And I go, people are lined up because the doors haven't opened yet. And so I go down the line. Hey, this station is awesome. You know, I don't know, you know, just passing them out. The program director shows up and he's like, who's that guy? When did we hire him? And they're like, we, <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> huh. And so he comes over and he's like, hey, man, I, I heard we gave you some tickets. Can I see them? And I'm like, Oh, man, busted, right? It's like, yeah, I hear it. He's like, okay, these are pretty good. But tell you what, after the first act, Blackhawk, meet me out here. I'm going to give you my seats. We have some front row seats. We're going to be going backstage. So you just give oh, that's awesome. So my friends and I, we spent the rest of the concert down on the front row. and It was an awesome concert. Next day, though, I go back to work. You know, my job at that time is a, I don't know, it's a pretty high-respected, you know, job. Maybe you had it. But I was a yogurt specialist at TCBY Yogurt. <laughs> Apparently, anybody can do it, right? When I did it, I pumped it for you, perfect ounce, you know. Now, so you, you come in, they're like, it's over there, you know, help yourself, right? <laughs> but I was a yogurt specialist, pumping yogurt. And then this lady comes in. She comes in. She's like, hey, you're Steve. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, well, I've been sent from the radio station, and we're here to hire you. We'll pay what, double whatever they're paying for you here if you come work for us. I'm like, really? I don't know, man. Think about that for a little bit here. I think i got to give a, a two-week notice or two-minute notice, something. I'm like, I'm out of here. And so literally a couple of days later, I'm at an Alan Jackson concert backstage with a bunch of winners thinking, man, this is a long way from pumping yogurt and hanging with Alan. 
And so that began my journey in, in uh, country radio there. So my job was to help with contestant winner, contest winners, to go backstage, meet the artists, and I'd do promotional things. And then the program director kind of took a liking to me and put me under his wing, and he made me like a junior program director. They started a new country station, 93Q Country, kind of appealed to a younger demographic, and he said, Steve, I want your help picking music for this station. And so I'm like, okay. And so the artists would send their, or the labels would send their tapes in, and they would come, and I'd listen to it, and we would test this song, not this song, and I'd pick it, and I would track music. I'd watch the billboard charts. I would see how my picks did. I got better and better at picking music. And so that's my, that's my journey. It's, it's going good. This opened up an opportunity for a television show that I had, a local television show. Not anybody else watched it, but it was kind of cool when I'd go to a restaurant, and turn it on, and be like, what's on? I'd be like, me. Hey, y'all know him? <laughs> you know? But it was good. It was living the good life. And while I'm doing this, they're like, Steve, this music business thing, you're pretty good at it. You need to go to Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. It's the best music business school in the country. You got to go there. And if you go there, you can be our liaison in Nashville. I'm like, yeah, sure. What's, what's a liaison? You know, is it legal? If it is, I'll do it, right? And so this is the plan. Okay, go into my, finish my senior year and then go to Belmont, right? Keep the job at the radio station, be the liaison. This is tracking perfect. God, thank you so much. All until I get a phone call from my mom. Hey, Steve, your dad got transferred. We're moving to Florida in two weeks. I'm so sorry. What? what? Two, just like that. Boom. I thought I was starting my senior year just up here. I'm in Florida. I'm in Florida, and I'm there only a couple of weeks. I remember driving home from church and turning the radio on, the Top 40 Countdown. And then hearing this song, and they introduced the artist. And his number one hit, his first ever number one single, here it is. They play it. I'm like, I picked that song. I not just picked it. I convinced him and his label with my program director to release that song and not that. Like, I did that. And, God, I'm here doing not that. Like, what? I was so frustrated. It put me into a depression. Literally for weeks, my face, just my muscles because of the scouring of my brow and just the frustration I was in that season, just upset with God, just feeling lost in what my plan was for my life, that my face, I just began to just throw my brow and just, I remember going for weeks without smiling. But even amidst, amongst this, there was a youth pastor at a church down there that saw this season of my life and it's like, hey, Steve, and he reached out to me and he invited me to go on a trip just before my senior year as a mission trip. And then we came back and said, Steve, you know, I, I see some, you know, gifts in you. I want you to work for me your senior year. You know, I'm like, man, I don't have any friends, nothing going on at school. I mean, just sure, you know. And so I start working for him at the church. And so I'm there in that season. And while I'm working at the church, there's a girl in that youth group that goes on a campus visit to a school in Nashville, Tennessee. And so she comes back. She's like, Steve, I don't know if you've ever heard of Belmont University. I'm like, yeah, I've heard of that. It's like the only college I have heard of, right? But like, yeah, I know Belmont. She's like, I know your radio background. I know they have a big music school. And so I brought this. But it's actually a scholarship for a future pastor. It's like, oh, okay. Well, thank you so much. You know, I appreciate it. That was really kind of you. And uh, so I kept it. And I took it home with me. And I put it on my dresser. You know, some of y'all had all those college magazines coming. Some of y'all, I had none, right? And so I just kept it because I feel like, you know, I had something, like a plan going somewhere. But I looked at it and just put it aside. Well, I continued working at the church and enjoying that. And then I had this idea. I'm like, wait a minute. What if God wants me to be a pastor? I can use that as a test. I could fill it out and send it off. And if I get this scholarship, then I know God's called me to be a pastor. And if I don't, then that's fine. I'll just figure something else out. 
And so it was due February 14th, Valentine's, my dad's birthday. I remember the date, and so I'm like, okay, I'm going to fill it out. And then I saw there's these criteria. Those of you who have gone to college, you know about this stuff. The ACT, SAT, GPA, and they have like these ranges. <laughs> I'm like, I don't get in that range. You know, I fell asleep during that one. <laughs> I fell asleep during that one, you know. And so they said it's best not to answer some of them. So I thought, let's take a nap, right? And so, but literally, that's my scores. And so I fill it out. I'm like, all right, God, if this is going to be you, it's going to be you. And so I fill it out, send it off. Well, two weeks later, I get a, a letter back from Belmont. I get a letter. And they say, Steve, thank you for your application. Uh, but we're full, you know. I mean, we got criteria. I mean, thank you. And I'm like, oh, man, I didn't get it. And so now we go into the end of the spring here, getting closer to summer, closer to graduation. And I'm still loving what I'm doing at the church. You know, God's using some gifts inside of me. I'm seeing these kids get saved. And I'm starting to think, man, I, don't really, don't, I really don't see myself doing anything else with my life. I feel like, God, maybe you made me to do this. I don't know if anything else would be as fulfilling as doing this. And the youth pastor, he kind of agreed. He said, I think God's calling you to be a pastor. And in fact, I want you to come on staff when you graduate. I want you to be the middle school youth pastor. I want you to go to the junior college here. Continue. I'm like, you know what? I know I had that little test with God, that little, you know, deal with him with that scholarship. But even though I didn't get that, I really feel like God has called me to be a pastor. And so I said, yeah, I'll do it. Let's do it. So we agreed to that. And then come up on graduation here. And just a few days before graduation, though, I get a phone call. On the other end of the line was a guy named Dean Simpler, Steve Simpler from Belmont University. He said, Steve, I'm calling you today because you apply for a scholarship and the person we awarded to cannot accept it for whatever reason. And so today I want to offer you a four-year full-ride scholarship to Belmont University. And we've noticed, Steve, that your grades don't meet criteria for admission. And so we're partnering this with the Presidential Scholarship, which waives all those admission requirements. And then while you're here, there's no GPA you'll have to maintain or any obligations you'll have to fulfill. We'll pay for everything for you for four years. All you need to do is say yes. What do you think I said? <laughs> you betcha. I said yes. And I remember getting to Belmont, and I didn't even know this, but my wife, she had already been on a campus visit to Belmont. That was, always, that was already the school God had picked for her. And I got there. I remember walking the campus at night. Everybody else goes in their dorms. And I remember just walking the campus at night, just crying. Like, God, how? How did you even do this? How did you do this? It's funny that I thought I was so far off what I thought the plan was. But, man... I was walking right in to God's purpose for my life. For some of you here, I know you're feeling that. We came out of that Lost in Transition series, and I've heard stories of people just, you're feeling it, man, I just feel off track. Well, the good news is, is that you may feel so far, but you may be so much closer than you've ever been. In the Bible, it says that in Romans 8, 28, that God, God works for the good. All things for the good for those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Whatever your situation, whatever you're facing, I can speak confidently and know that God is going to work it for your good as you're called according to his purpose, no matter what it is or what it looks like. If you just zoom out far enough, if you let the tape play long enough, you will begin to see the goodness of God in whatever it is that situation that you're facing. We had a staff prayer meeting uh, a few months back, and 
Pastor Chris Lerma, one of our next-gen pastors, was up there praying, and he just prayed, if it's not good yet, then God's not done yet. I thought, man, I had to stop praying and go, I'm going to write that down. If it's not good yet, God's not done yet. You can tweet that. Chris probably borrowed it from somebody, so don't worry about giving him credit. You can just say, I said it. But uh, <laughs> I don't want to get him in trouble, you know what I mean? But uh, if it's not good yet, God's not done yet. His purpose for your life is greater than your plans. The second point is this, is that God's grace is greater than our weakness. His grace is greater than our weakness. We jump back into the story of Moses. So he continues this dialogue with God through the bush. And throughout the course of this dialogue, God's telling him what I need you to do. And Moses is like, I don't know. And how will they believe? And what will I say? And God starts, okay, take your staff, throw it down there. Okay, turn to a snake. That's cool. All right, take your hand, put it in your, oh. So these miracles God's given him to use. And so he's almost there. He's almost, okay, almost, almost, okay, God, I'm ready. But then we got chapter 4, verse 10. It says, Moses said to the Lord, uh, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. So after years in the desert, feeling far from God's plan for his life, on the far side of the wilderness, right, God comes to him, calls him in to his great purpose, a great plan, how God's going to use him, even shows him these cool ways he's going to use him. And then what's Moses' response? Ah, I can't talk. I can't do it. The first thing that stands out to Moses is his inadequacy. It's his, his weakness, right? That excuse just, just bubbles up to the top of, I don't know if I can do it. You think about when God calls us into our purpose, that's often what happens to us. It exposes our inadequacies. It exposes our weaknesses. Because if you think about it, when you are planning your course, when you're planning your own way, your life plan, your goals, what you want to do, you usually plan those according to your strengths. You plan those according to what you can see, according to what you're good at, the easiest, the fastest, the cheapest. But when God calls us, he exposes the fact that, man, I can't get there without him. Because God factors himself into the equation of your purpose so that you can't do it without him. That's how you know that you're not just doing your plans, but you're walking according to God's purpose for your life because you know you couldn't do it without him. So God tells Moses, look, you're going to go and I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you talk. I'm going to tell you what to say. It's built in for that relationship with God because that's what he wants more than anything. He doesn't want us to have great jobs and big houses and fun stuff. What he wants is a relationship with us. So whatever he blesses you with and calls you to, it's all about doing it with you. And so he's partnered in your purpose. This story is also personal to me just because of some of the things that, you know, it, it draws out in the story. When Moses says, you know, I'm not a good talker. I'm slow of tongue. I'm not I'm very eloquent here. And for me, that was my story. And my story, just to help a little insight here, you know, my father, my parents, you know, trying to help me growing up, you know, talk clearer, slow down, this. And, you know, my father one day really got through to me. And this doesn't mischaracterize him in any way. He's a very gentle, kind man. 
But one day he was just trying to help me. He said, son, do you want people to think you're stupid? He didn't say stupid. He said another word, but we don't use that word anymore. I'm like, no. He's like, well, that's how you sound when you talk. Oh. Thanks, Dad. Good talk. Well, you, not me, apparently. <laughs> right? Okay. Um, it rattled me, right? I'm like, okay, my dad really cares about this. So this, take it serious. And you know, help you understand what's going on inside of me. I don't know if you've ever walked with ankle weights. Like, you can walk. But when you have those ankle weights on, it just makes it a little bit harder. And so if you were trying to walk normal with ankle weights, you'd have to work a little bit harder to do it. Well, for me, it's like there's an ankle weight on my tongue. And so when I talk, I can do it, but I'm having to exert a lot more energy than normally would be expected. And so it comes out. You know, so I would slur words a lot, right? Because I didn't want to exhaust the energy, and so I would just slur my words. I would talk too fast just to get through the this, this sentence because I knew that it was going to be a struggle. So while this is happening, I'm trying to grow and learn what's going on. Wouldn't you know that this lady walked into my work at TCBY Yogurt and invited me to come and work for them at a radio station? If there's one place that you don't get away with not talking right and talking clear, it's at a radio station. I'm watching my buddy Frank over here to laugh. He's, a, he's the morning show host here in, in, in Fort Worth. Everywhere I went, I got corrected. I walked on the hall and say something. What's the station name? 92.5 WESC, not W, W, two U's, Steve. Apparently, President Bush would not have passed this, this test that I was on. But everywhere, I was getting corrected with my language. And so I'm, I'm getting better. Okay, all right. And so, I mean, this leads into, I mean, my wife and I, we get married. I'm like, I've got to get better. And so our first year of marriage, you know what I remember? I remember sitting in bed, reading to her and her just helping me. So I would practice talking. I don't know what you practiced in bed your first year of marriage, but I was practicing <laughs> talking. You were probably practicing praying. That's good. Good. That's what you're thinking? Good. Good. <laughs> Literally, I would pronunciate words and I worked. And the funny thing happened is I learned that when I spoke with an accent, Joanne here, not to point her out, she's our resident British accent here, I could speak with an accent clearly. I'm thinking, okay, something's going on here, and I figured things out. And so I realized that if I'm being disciplined and I'm thinking through what I'm going to say and I work that muscle, I can speak clearly. And so if I just had to hear the word first. And so I started hearing the words before I say them so I can say them correctly. And then I learned there's some words and some sentence sequences that I just can't do. And so I built a file of synonyms, basically. So at any time, not cinnamon, synonyms, right here, I've got replacement words. And I can hear it coming. And I hear it coming, and I'll just put something else in there that I can say. Because I know the word that was coming is going to, you know, cause me to fumble up here. And so sometimes the words make sense. Sometimes they don't, right? And so that's the only word I had. But so this is what's happening inside of me. And so I move here to Texas, and then I start working at a radio station again. And I'm like, I'm a back, behind-the-scenes guy, music guy, promotions, the marketing side, writing the liners and stuff. And they're like, Steve, we want you to go on the air. We want you to be Steve-O on the go. We want you to go out, do broadcast and different things. I'm like, uh, talk on the, huh? Okay, and I remember going to my first broadcast, knowing there's tens of thousands of people listening. And it's like, God, I can't do this. I'm not a talker. I can't, you know, and going live on the air just, whew, 
I remember Pastor Jeff saying, Steve, we want you to host the services. Like, I want you to come up and just welcome the people. And they're, ah, yeah, okay, yeah. And for me, it's, you know, it's not something in some distant past. You know, for me, if I'm excited, if I'm tired, if I'm lazy, if I'm nervous, I fall right back into that lazy tongue. You know, I was telling my team about, I might share it, I might not. They're like, you got to. I'm like, I almost chickened out if they weren't holding me accountable. Because I've worked so hard for it not to be a distraction that I'd hate for you to be thinking about the right words or the wrong words. Or, oh, that, that's one of them. He switched that one. Or that he messed up. Right? But then I thought, you know, I want to share this with you. Because I want you to see the point here. You know, in the Bible, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul's having a debate with God about a struggle that he has in his own life. Something that he's like, God, would you just take this away? I could do better without it. But this is what God tells him. He said, he said to me, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And now it's so funny when I hear somebody come up and say, Steve, man, you're so polished, man. You're so smooth. You just, I'm like, you have no idea, one, where I've come from or what it takes. But I hear that it's a reminder, okay, God, I need your grace, Lord. I need your power, Lord. I need you to do this. That's the same thing in your life. Whatever that excuse is, that weakness is, that thing where God's calling you into, like he called Moses, and Moses, I can't talk. Well, you, God calls you, you know, I can't do that. I can't. Could it be that very excuse, that very thing, that very weakness? Could be the thing that God shows his power in your life the greatest. He built it in so you would need him to do it. So what excuse is, is holding you back from stepping out and walking out God's purpose for your life? If we put our points together, this is the, what I want you to go home with today is that God's purpose is greater than our plans, and his grace is greater than our weakness. I don't want you just to be inspired, though. I want you to be able to walk this out. And so I have for you a few ways that you can actually put this message to work, that you can walk this out. So three ways of walking this out. The first one is you got to stay. you got to stay faithful right where you're at. Your purpose does not start tomorrow or some distant glorious future. Your purpose starts today as you invite God into whatever it is you're doing. And so the way you do that is say, God, I'm doing this for you. At your work, in your school, in your home, your relate, whatever it is you're doing, God, I'm doing this for you. It may not be what I want to be doing, but it's what I'm doing today. And so I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to do it for you. And when the, you make that decision, immediately God's purpose begins to take root in your life. He begins to start forming things inside of you. I remember having a thought when I turned 30 years old that, man, I'm sure not where I thought I'd be at 30. But my character is further than I ever thought it would be, to be honest. Because what God's doing this season is not just what you see on the outside. It's what he's doing on the inside of you in this season, preparing you. Don't you think those seasons Moses spent on the far side of a wilderness, God was building up the grit, the confidence, the resolve to be able to go back and not be deterred by Pharaoh when he faced him? Same thing for you. As you're faithful where you're at, God's working and building inside of you. People on the outside, they may not see it, but you see it. And God's doing it. 
Not as faithful in what you do, faithful in your heart. you got to maintain an attitude of faith. you got to continue to believe that God is good and that God is for you and that he is working all things for your good because you're called according to his purpose. you got to start believing and have confidence that, man, God's working out. God's for me. He's with me. It keeps you in a position of faith and able to receive from him as he's working in your character. The second thing, after you stay faithful, you got to stop excuses. You gotta stop excuses. I talk to people often, they feel they know what God's leading them to, but just like Moses saying he can't talk, it's like, but I don't have the money. It's too late. I'm too old. I'm too young. It's too far. Costs too much. Not smart enough. Right? Whatever the excuse is, you gotta stop it. Because my Bible says that all things are possible with God. So with God, all things are possible. So there are no excuses. If God's calling you to it, right, he's going to lead you through it. He's going to give you all the supply that you need to get through it. He's going to work in you as you do it. And so there are no excuses with God. So you got to put those aside. And the final thing is this. you got to start moving. We stay faithful. We stop excuses. And then we start moving. We take a step. A step is always what it is with God. We want to do the long jump or the pole vault. We want to go not there. But with God, it's always a step. Just a faithful step of obedience. Okay. And I believe that every single one of you know what that next step is. If you don't, I believe if you just ask God, he will show you immediately what that step is. God speaks to every single one of you. My daughter this week, I said, what's God saying to you? What's you know, she's like, Dad, I just don't know if I can hear him. She's seven, seven years old. I'm like, you don't know if you can hear him? Well, he speaks, you know, he speaks to your heart. You know, she's like, I just don't know if my heart's big enough yet. Okay, yeah, she's really thinking through how this works. Here, I know your heart's big enough, and I know that you can hear God, and I know that God speaks to you. Because this word right here, it says, you know, my sheep, they know my voice and follow me. Right, thy word, it's, it's a lamp into my feet and it's a light into my path. The path of the righteous is, gets brighter and brighter all the way to the noonday. You can see more and more. The steps of the righteous, they're ordered by the Lord. Every step you take, this word says that we, we trust the Lord with all of our heart. We don't have to lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways we acknowledge Him and He directs our steps. He makes our paths straight. So I believe for every single one of you, you've got a move to make. It's not the queen. It's usually a little pawn. It's just, it's just, it's just a step for you to take. But as you take that step and step and step, you begin to see God's awesome purpose unfold in your life. For some of you that are new to Milestone, new to Christianity, your first step is to step into a relationship with Jesus. And it's a step of faith. Or maybe your plan was to clean yourself up and try to be good enough for God. God's purpose is that he sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. That just by putting your faith and trust in him, that he died on the cross for your sins. When you receive that gift, man, that step of faith, man, you enter into a relationship with him. Maybe that's your step today. What I want to do here is just to bow your heads. I want to pray that God makes this clear to you. Holy Spirit, I ask your help. 
right now. Help people. Each one of us here on our own individual journey with you. And your plans for each person here are as great as they were for Moses or me or anybody else. Your plans for them are just as great. And so God, I pray that right now you would help each person here to know what the next step is, what you're calling them to. And God, as they see that step, how big or how small it is, God, they have the faith to take it. Whatever the, the weakness may be, the inadequacy it may be, God, I pray you give them the faith to know that you're going to supply, you're going to meet them there. I thank you that in your word, God, you don't use anybody that thinks they got what it takes or they think they've got it figured out. You always use people inadequate and fearful because you know that they're going to do it with you. So God, I pray you meet them right now, wherever they're at. Whatever that weakness is, I pray right now, Jesus, in your name, that you would break the power, whatever that is, holding them back. Whether it's a fear, a doubt, a lie they've heard spoken over them right now, Jesus, break that in your name. And God, I pray right now that that next step would become so clear that as they walk out of here, Lord, they're literally walking in to what you have for them, walking into your purpose for their life. I pray for that person that doesn't know you today. If that's you, just say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I want a relationship with you. Lord, I, I give my life to you. Lord, I surrender. Come live inside of me. Don't worry about the words. It's the heart. It's the attitude of surrender when you realize that Jesus did it all for you on the cross. Just receive that gift of salvation. Say, God, I invite you to my life. I turn it over to you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 